here in the heart of the jungle, we find one of the most interesting creatures of its kind. Amazon PPC Advertising. Buried deep amongst the undergrowth with its campaigns and targeting, lay hazards like keywords without conversions, unprofitable ad spend, and a mountain of ever-evolving complexity. But if you look beyond the obstacles of life here, there is hope and opportunity. We will journey to every corner of Amazon ads to explore and share the greatest treasures the jungle has to offer. This is the Amazon PPC Den Podcast. What's going on, Badger Nation? Welcome to the PPC Den Podcast, your home for all things Amazon advertising tips, tricks, and strategies. Uh, today, I am excited and very honored and privileged to have Mike on the show. Not just me, Mike. We've got another one. Uh, Mike from Perch. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Uh, love being here with another Mike, for sure. Very easy to remember who I'm talking to. So today, um, I'm stoked to have you on the show. We're going to be talking about a topic that is becoming more and more relevant to so many Amazon marketers, business owners, and it's a topic that if you're not paying attention to, I think you're missing a major part of the evolving narrative of Amazon advertising. So before we get to that, Mike, I'd love to sort of talk you up a little bit. Um, I actually first saw you on Stephen Pope's, he does a weekly show, uh, and I always try to tune in and at least try to ask a question. It's like a Q&A show, and I'll always try to write it in and be like, what's your favorite animal? And like have the response. And why is it the badger? Um, so I always try to do something like that. So I saw you on that show. You were talking about spreadsheets, Amazon advertising. And I was like, I got to know this guy. This is my dude. So it's been great getting to know you uh, so far. We've been chatting back and forth and you've been in Amazon advertising for quite some time too. Um, tell us how you got started in Amazon advertising. It's a great question. I, Got started about six years ago working for a digital marketing agency. I actually started on their Google Ads team, but within the first two months, we had a hands all hands on deck company wide meeting saying, mm -hmm. "Hey, you know this Amazon thing? Seems kind of important. Maybe we should have a service around this. Anybody want to volunteer?" And I'm fresh out of school. I like to do things. I say, "Sign me up." So I started working within the Seller Central uh, platform just seeing everything we could find. And now here I am six years later and haven't looked back. Would you say that your experience with, you know, Google ads, I think you also mentioned Facebook ads. Uh, do you think that it has given you an, uh, an edge increased perspective when it comes to Amazon ads? I think so. Definitely one, it gives me plenty of material to ask my Amazon reps. Hey, could you yeah. make this more like mm -hmm. Google? Could you? Could you give us some extra lovers? But even outside of that, I think one one of the pieces where I came from, we had a very robust mm -hmm. Google shopping service, which again, text ads, Facebook, there's everything within PPC that you can 
find ways to attribute it back to Amazon and find those learnings, but especially on the Google Shopping side where it's one-to-one product level advertising that ties so well with sponsored products. I think that really set me up for a lot of success within Amazon. Yeah. Uh, Also, I think there's way more vocabulary on Facebook ads and Google ads. Like if, if you go into Google ads and you say like show columns, there's like probably six times more columns in Google ads than there are in Amazon ads. So I feel like, you know, I've been full-time on Amazon ads since 2017, uh, but I had done Amazon ads simultaneously with Google ads uh, for like almost 10 years. So it was like really cool to be like, okay, like I'm just going to focus on Amazon now. And it's kind of a, it's kind of cool. I have like more mental Ram because there's like way less columns. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. Uh, however, today we're actually going to add to those columns for your reporting purposes, giving you more things to think about. Um, so that's why it's so valuable for so many people to like listen, learn so that it becomes easier to manage those like core metrics. So you can add to it and get more advanced with it. So you, you were working in an agency, uh, I think you also mentioned that you have in-house experience and now you are at Perch the Aggregator. Like how has that been? Like how has that sort of shaped your perspective and and how have those different experiences like agency in-house versus aggregator like how has that given you a bigger breadth of Amazon advertising experience? It's another awesome question. I think being at an aggregator one a lot of fun I kind of consider it the best of both worlds between all of the variety you get at an agency, getting to work across different categories, getting to just push a lot of strong testing budgets to then the control of in-house where everybody is aligned to a goal. And oftentimes that goal gets to be growth when you're on the inside side of things and you get to craft that narrative of what you want to accomplish moving forward. The biggest struggle that I would run into at the agency side were working with businesses that were at a part of their life cycle where they were not really trying to grow and they were just focusing entirely on efficiency. And there can be some, again, a lot of strategies that you learn that you can execute on that are very efficiency focused, but it's a, I don't know, to me, it's a whole lot more fun getting to say, hey, we're going to try to disrupt a market. We are trying to come in here, steal, share, and not just ride the wave of Amazon, but dominate the wave of Amazon. Yeah, I think there's so many, I think with what you just said, there's so many lessons there that individual companies, Amazon marketers uh, who are doing it as a service could learn from aggregators. Like thinking big uh, is definitely something that aggregators seem to do really well. And, you know, it's like common in the, like the personal development or like business mentoring world to always like, what's your goal? Well, I want to make a million dollars this year. It's like, make it 10. So like always think bigger. Um, I read this book one time. I, I don't recommend it, but it was like the 10 X rule. And like, it could be summarized in like one sentence, which was like, whatever goal that you think you have multiply it by 10. Um, so, uh, we're recording this in the middle of February. You may or may not be at prosper. Um, but, (laughs) <laughs> you, I, I feel like, you know, if, if you are there and Mike, you are there, uh, the listeners there that maybe they should find you, or at least maybe someone from Perch and say hello. Absolutely. I know we're going to have a, a handful of people there that would love to say hi. And if I am mm-hmm. lucky enough to go, I would love to say hi to any yes. of the listeners here. So yeah, Badger podcast sent you. Badger nation. 
you know, you have uh, most of people listening in right now are listening to it on audio. Um, so Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, so they don't see all of this amazing memorabilia that you have behind you. You know, you are you're from Massachusetts. Uh, well, you're in Massachusetts. I'm a little disappointed that you don't have some kind of Boston accent. I'll let it slide. Uh, you've got a lot of Tom Brady memorabilia. However, I'm going to ask you not about the memorabilia. I'm going to ask you to tell me about the what I think is a gorilla uh, statue <laughs> on your windowsill. Um, before we get to the meat of the show, can you tell me a little bit about that? Is a gorilla your spirit animal? Uh, well, I, I, it is a very uh, particular gorilla that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I am one of the biggest fans of Harambe, the gorilla that you will uh, ever meet. Uh, this uh, actually, this past Super Bowl was very conflicting for me with yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals coming out saying we're going to win wow. this one for Harambe. But also, I have a dog whose name mm -hmm. is Cooper Cup, after Rams wide receiver mm -hmm. Cooper Cup. And so seeing Harambe versus wow. my boy That's pitted tough. against each other, that was tough. But yeah, that is one of my my many different Harambe. Um, pieces of memorabilia. This is fantastic. I'm so happy I asked, can we please get a moment of silence before we go into the next section for Harambe? Alrighty, Mike. So here we go. This topic, uh, you know, I mentioned it in the beginning of the show that Amazon advertising is evolving. That if you really want to understand your Amazon advertising, it is more and more important to understand it in the overall context of your market. We're going to be talking about market share, you know, what percentage of, you know, clicks and impressions and sales are you generating? We're going to be talking about market direction or market movement. Is the market getting bigger? Are there more people searching for it? Are there less people searching for it? Are there more sales happening or less sales happening? And before we talk about and define those things and, and, and talk about how to track them, what problem would prompt someone to need this information? Like talk to us about like, what are people missing if they're not taking advantage of thinking about market direction, thinking about market share? Awesome question. To me, there's two very distinct topics that could lead you down this path, but I'm gonna say probably 80, 90% of the listeners are going to find themselves at least willing to take action on the first one. And that is you're seeing your sales or your overall sessions on Amazon are down. And one of the, in my opinion, one of the worst things you can do is overreact to a volume decline if that volume decline is market related. Because if you are maintaining your share and your reason for decline is fewer people are purchasing. There is a new type of product on the market that people are shifting towards. Or if you're just in some sort of a seasonal niche and the orientation of that season is changing, you expect this to be a nine-week peak season this year for whatever reason. It ended up being a six-year peak season. Maybe it's weather-oriented. Maybe you are a gardening product and there's either some heat waves or some rainy seasons that come in unexpectedly. It is a very easy trap to fall into with this mindset of if all I have to go on is my own data from last year that I can over pursue. I can, from an ads perspective, spend a lot of money inefficiently and set myself up for 
failure from a profitability standpoint from a lot of those bottom line perspectives. And the other case that are sort of the just two sides of the same coin, when you are up, are you up because Amazon is growing? We know year over year, Amazon sees growth reported somewhere between 20 and 30%, almost like clockwork within just getting new customers into the platform or getting people expanding their shopping habits within Amazon. And so are you, one, growing at the same rate as Amazon within your particular niche? And two, are you outpacing in any way? Are there potentially, and we'll probably get into this a bit, but a lot of the terms you may think that you are highly related to, other products that do a functionally different purpose are also related to those terms. So you can try to track, are more people searching for the sort of product I am trying to sell? And are they getting that need satisfied in the same mm -hmm. way? So one of my favorite, favorite topics in Amazon advertising and, and really life in general is this concept of, you know, confirmation bias or survivorship bias, where I think you explained it so well, where, you know, sales will be down uh, for a PPC campaign. So maybe instead of getting $50,000 in sales, like we did last month, this month, we only did 40,000 and we're, our ACOS is up and we're scratching our heads and we're, we go in and just like you mentioned, you could overreact. You can go in there and dismantle your campaigns and be like, well, I need to change this. I need to change that only to discover that, you know, the following month, like the expectation of what you thought would happen, where you're changing up all these things, you're doing all these bid changes, uh, didn't lead to the sales lift and you maybe made the wrong move based off missing inputs. You didn't know that, hey, in that month, the overall market was actually down, meaning just fewer people searched. In the example that you gave, you know, maybe I'm selling gardening equipment and half the country is snowed out this month. Uh, and it would be a mistake to go in there and make wild changes to your campaigns. And this happens you know, on the flip side too, where it's like someone went in, they made a whole bunch of changes to their PPC campaigns and the, just the market got bigger, you know, more and more people were searching for it. You know, they, they hit a seasonality stride and then, you know, they don't know that it was because the market got bigger and they potentially could have reduced their percentage based market share. Like they could have actually gotten a smaller percentage of the overall sales. Um, so that's why like looking at these big market moves will help eliminate like some of these unknown knowns. It just, the market is the market getting bigger. Like, did I do anything that actually influenced the increase in sales? Um, was I able to increase my market percentage or is the market getting bigger? So I think this is such a, I, I mean, what I love about this show is when we bring on guest co-hosts, we're able to like take a topic and, you know, we're like, 164 episodes, uh, almost 170 episodes in where, you know, our first 50 episodes were very foundational. Uh, and at this point, we're talking about things that really push advertisers, that really push, push Amazon advertising programs into this advanced stage. So this connects perfectly to the episode we did with Elizabeth Green a few weeks ago, where we talked about building up, like how many impressions does my overall like top 10 keywords generate 
it relates back to the episode did a few weeks ago with Daniel Tejeda, where we were talking about uh, brand metrics data, where we were looking at how do I stack up versus my competition? And now we're sort of adding another layer on that, where we're saying like, how of the keywords, of, the, of my top keywords, did the search volume increase this month or decrease this month? And what was my percentage share of that? So let's jump into the first section of this, which is market direction. Uh, you know, simply put, it's measuring if a market is growing or shrinking. So tell us how you measure that um, and, you know, how you use it in your optimization schedule. Is this something you do weekly, monthly? What is it exactly that you're doing to measure if a market is growing or shrinking? Awesome question. So on my side, I like to start with the keywords. Well, we'll start with our product. And then from there, come up with a series of keywords that we can say, as a customer, a potential customer of this product, if I were to search XYZ term, I would have a reasonable likelihood of purchasing this ASIN or a comparable ASIN. I want to be very clear that the purpose of doing these levels of market analysis is really based on understanding where are we losing ground? Where are we not the strongest competitor in the market? Because if you limit yourself to only looking at what are my top 10 terms via advertising, where are we seeing the most sales right now? You are going to be missing the mark on where other competitors have an advantage over you and you can get that advantage back if you take the right actions. So we're probably looking at starting out around 10, 15 search terms that are fairly broad in nature. I try to not go too granular or too brand specific unless there is a branded level search term that does significant search volume mm -hmm. on Amazon. And from there, we'll start to roll those in with a few different tools to try to understand. And if as often as we can get first party data, we have a few uh, tools that allow us to analyze these terms on a first party level direct from Amazon. And then some other potentially more user-friendly tools to let us get more data in bulk. Yes, so the first thing to know about that is you don't need to do this sort of keyword or search term analysis for hundreds of keywords at a time. Uh, it's almost like we are able to you know, dip our toe in the, in the water so to speak, to measure the overall temperature of the you know entire pool, kind of. You don't need to go and measure every single area of the pool to get a sense of it. You just need to, you know, 10, 15 good spots to measure this temperature. I like what you said about the broad keywords, you know, because it'll capture like a big overall sense of the of the market. And you mentioned some tools that we can use uh, to basically take our top 10, top 15 keywords punch them in some tools to measure if the search volume is growing up, going up or going down. Uh, and you mentioned first party tools. Uh, first party, of course, means direct from Amazon. Always like to start there because generally the data is assumed to be more accurate because it's coming from Amazon itself, uh, as well as free because, well, free being you need, you're, we're, sell, we're paying Amazon every month to for the privilege of selling, but uh, it's free in the sense that it's right inside our Amazon interface. So Product Opportunity Explorer, tell us a little bit about how you've used this. It's a topic that's come up on this show many times over the last month or so. So 
this is a great new addition because um, we get this first party data. So tell us how you use the Product Opportunity Explorer to sort of get a sense of these top 10, 15 keywords. Yeah, awesome question. So there's two ways that we can use Product Opportunity Explorer to make this the most actionable data set for you. One, we can use the POE to actually identify what these best terms are. You can search your niche. You'll oftentimes get probably three or four variated niches that have, I believe it's 25 terms per that Amazon will just give you. And then from there, you're seeing past, I think they give you both 360 and 90 day rolling data points where we can identify search volume for probably the top three to five from each of the niches that matter because you're going to see a pretty significant diminishing return as you go lower and lower down those list of terms. And so one, it can be really helpful just to create your defined list of terms. But two, this is probably going to be your best source for evaluating accuracy and just do things feel right. The downside is because these are rolling quarters, you don't have the best way or really a, an overly timely way of identifying those changes in the market. And so that's where I may go to another third-party tool that allows me to review data on a weekly basis or potentially a daily basis. But if I'm ever questioning the accuracy of those third-party tools, I can then take their numbers, compare them to the POE, and oftentimes we'll see, no, these numbers are not one-to-one -one accurate, but we can get a sense on if directionally they're moving correct, you know, in a somewhat accurate way. That's very cool. Um, and it's worth mentioning too, if you're unfamiliar with the Product Opportunity Explorer, uh, definitely go back and listen to episode 159 that I did with Elizabeth Green. We walked through some of the Product Opportunity Explorer to get some of these approximations. And the difference that we're adding on here now, instead of taking it like a static snapshot to get overall search volume, what we're doing here is we're using that change in search volume. Like what is the search volume growth doing? And it is a bummer that we can only look at it in 90 day chunks and not sort of weekly or monthly chunks. Um, but the, the, the process that is coming out here is if you're going to use a tool like the Product Opportunity Explorer, uh, it's worth sort of taking that. And because you can't view like this 90 day trend versus what the 90 day trend was last month, all on all on here, it's helpful to copy some of this data, put it into a sheet so that you can watch it move over time. So like, what was the search volume uh, trend last month? What is the search volume trend this month? So that you can track it over time, uh, which will make doing this level of analysis a lot easier. So th this is a new sort of new process that will be indicative of saying like, hey, is my overall search, is the overall search volume of the market moving bigger or moving smaller? And then that sort of ties into, well, if my market is getting bigger, if there's more people searching for it this month, am I capturing that opportunity? Am I gaining ground on that increased demand? Or am I you know, falling behind my competitors? Which sort of brings us to market share. So how do we answer that question? Like, is my market getting bigger? It, like if your market just gets bigger and you stay the same percentage based, you're going to grow 
like you're going to get more sales just because the the traffic is moving in your product's direction without you doing anything extra. But I also imagine the market could get bigger and you could be falling behind, like competitors are growing faster than you are, which is a scenario that we want to avoid, right? We want to, ideally we're growing faster than competitors, we're gaining more market share than our competitors. So how do we find out, and like how do we wrap our heads around what, what we want to know in terms of market share not just the growth of the market or the shrinking of the market, but what our percentage in the market is. So how do you think about that? Typically, I will take this mix of keywords that we've defined as our market and start to do, we have some internal tools at Perch where we can try to scrape Amazon uh, listings, identify what the top competitors are uh, based on their interactions on the SERP for those those terms, but you can also just do this manually, just do your test searches or use a Helium 10 mm. Jungle Scout, some additional tool as well, figure out, heck, even uh, brand mm. analytics, identify what just the top three uh, competitors are on any given term. Uh, if you're using brand analytics, I'd recommend using both your last week, last month, and last quarter range, see how those ASINs have changed mm -hmm. over time, and use those to create, in my case, I... I I like Jungle Scout. I think it's a, a good product that is, again, directionally pretty accurate with sales, where we can then identify from that mix of products, this is our competitive market and who is owning the share, who is growing, who is shrinking, regardless of what the rest of the market is doing. If the market as a whole is growing, shrinking, that story can be ignored by the share story of just... How are you growing relative to the other people who you want to be measuring yourself against? That side of the report uh, is a little bit more complex than the first share, which within the first side of the report, which was just, is the market sure. growing or shrinking? Because is the market growing or shrinking? That's very easy to conceptualize. It's like, okay, have a Google Sheet, have those 10 top 10 keywords in there, have overall search volume and search volume change month over month, and you can grab that. Here, we're adding the extra layer on it to, hey, what are our competitors? Like how much share do we have like versus the competition? So when we say the word share, break it down again, like what does share mean? And like, how do we measure it? So there's two different ways we can measure that market share. One is at a total dollar sales level using approximations from some of these third party okay. tools. And another is at a unit level. I personally prefer the unit level side of it. Because I think a lot of people in general on Amazon are very willing to test things out with their price. And I think it's also fair to say that whether it's from running seven day deal style promotions, lightning deals, or just launching a new product upfront, you may find out that the very first price that you sell your product at is not going to be the same price that you sell that product at every single day for the rest of the product's life cycle. And so that's why I really like to use unit sales volume as my, and when we're, we're tracking share, I wanna see, of all of the people searching for a dog brush on Amazon. There are, again, using some sort of an estimate from a Jungle Scout style tool, we can see, okay, there's going to be 3,000 sales a day. What 
a number of those sales are going to us as a brand, Hertzko. And then from there, we can start to break down some other really cool aspects of the data. If competitor XYZ is growing and taking market share, do they sell the same exact product as us, just different mold, different color, something like that? Or are they selling a product that is functionally different that still satisfies that broad use case of, I have a dog who sheds and I want to be able to brush him. And that's something that we've been able to find a lot of meaningful takeaways around in terms of, again, we may carry three, four different styles of dog brush. We have our own hero. And we know that that's where the majority of our attention and focus is going to go. But if we can now track from this type of competitor market analysis, oh, wow, we see four competitors that all sell this uh, sort of rolling rake style of detangling dog brush. And they're all gaining share as that style of product is growing in popularity. Well, we've been putting the majority of our ad attention on this different style. And so now this is sending us a signal to say if the market is shifting towards a, again, not the same, but a related type of product, and we also sell it, phenomenal. We can move very quickly, start to take our version of that product and get more aggressive on it. And if we don't, now we can start to potentially have conversations with our product teams to say, hey, can we get this added to our portfolio? Mm -hmm. Is this a level of product innovation that we can move forward mm -hmm. with? Yeah, so I, the concept of sort of measuring market share seems like it could be done through kind of a variety, you know, checking unit sales for competitor products, unit sales for competitors. Uh, you could also look at brand analytics to, to try to assess uh, that. You could look at organic ranking. You can do your test searches and see like, are you moving up or down? Are your competitors moving up or down? Uh, thus, you know, assuming that if a competitor is moving up, they're gaining market share. I also imagine we can look at something like search term impression share for those top 10 terms and like see uh, ensuring are we in the, the right ad rank for some of these products. So when we're thinking about measuring market share, uh, those are things that we'll want to keep in mind all, almost. I also imagine it could be as simple as saying, well, if the market in the, in the previous example, if the market direction grew 10%, for example, did my overall clicks grow 10% or did they outpace the market? Did they grow 15% or did they underpace the market? Did my clicks only go up 5%? That's probably like the easiest way to track market share where, you know, if, so, if someone out there is like strapped for time and they're thinking of this and like, oh man, I have to do all this extra level of analysis to measure my competitor's market share. Do you think that's a sort of like an 80-20? You're going to get some sense of whether you grew in the market or not by saying, okay, it's, it's relatively easy and quick for me to track search volume change for those top 10 keywords. That's simply the product opportunity explorer. Everyone should probably be doing that. And that doesn't seem like it takes too much time. And then if your search volume maybe went up 10%, you would wanna look at your click volume. Like did my overall ad clicks go up 10%? If they did go up 10%, as well as search volume went up 10%, well then that means I kept my share of the market. If it went up more than 10%, well I just outpaced the market. If my clicks did not go up greater than 10%, I underpaced the market share. That seems like a 
80-20 sort of simple approach to just measuring is our market share growing or shrinking. Those listening on uh, Apple Podcasts cannot uh, see me vigorously shaking my head as, <laughs> as you've been yeah. saying all of this. No, absolutely. This is the honestly the first way that uh, I started getting involved with this data was just evaluating our internal sessions versus the growth of the market or the decline of the market mm. and trying to identify if these if these numbers are becoming more and more disparate over time we are either greatly outpacing or greatly underpacing the market and now in those areas where things are very dis uh, disparate that can send me the signal to even not not fully position it from the perspective of perch where i'm working with a, a bunch of different brands but if i'm just a catalog seller and i have a catalog of more than just one product then i'm going to want to find any of these instances to say where should i focus my time where can i use this as a signal across all of my products very quickly to then identify which specific products are showing the most necessary signs that additional inter intervention is necessary. And we can then take that one step further by identifying more of the, what are the competitors within this market that we want to be going going against? And are is there a meaningful change in consumer behavior to indicate that maybe my product type is not the best product type for the space right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so as we wrap up this concept, I think this is, this is definitely more of like an intermediate advanced, uh, level of analysis that should be done on a regular basis. Just to your, your final thoughts on this, um, in terms of if someone out there is listening to this episode and they're thinking like, oh man, like this is going to be like a lot of extra work. Like, can you just finish up by just sharing the value that you've seen from doing this level of analysis? Like on a overall trend, like how has this actually helped your campaigns? Absolutely. So if I, I say two takeaways, one, trying to identify where Potentially, uh, leadership is looking at just very high-level performance metrics and looking for some sort of aggressive changes to be made. It saves a lot of headaches, a lot of wasted effort to do this level of market share analysis and identify, hey, you know, overall VR headsets that are non-Oculus are actually down 70% year over year because that was a, a, a more of a fad niche that has definitely not kept up with the supply that people have with it. Instead of pushing as aggressively on that niche as it exists currently, can we find other offshoots within it that we can push more aggressively? And so it's that redirection, it's that ability to find where the market is down and then start researching where there are comparable markets that can go up that you want to start more aligning yourself with and taking action against. Or two, and again, the more fun case for me is identifying when these markets are up and when specific competitors, say a big one for me is identifying when specific competitors are taking over more market share. That sends the signal to treat them as a 
testing ground for more aggressive sponsored display campaigns, more aggressive manual sponsored mm-hmm. product campaigns, potentially taking their branded level search terms, where if you know that a competitor brand is growing significantly, that means that chances are their branded terms are also going to be comparably growing. Mm-hmm. And so that can oftentimes be an area where you can get somewhat cheaper clicks on those brand competitor brands than on the most broad level keywords. Uh, that might be uh, the more top of funnel searches. I love it. Using data to prioritize your tasks. That's what the show is about. Um, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. It is great to have other high level Amazon marketers come and share. So thank you for that. Uh, I have one last question. I'd like you to look into your crystal ball. And will you please tell us if Tom Brady will be coming out of retirement for another season? (laughs) Oh man, my uh, you see my, my crystal ball may be a little clouded by my own uh, uh, hope and desire. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say yes, he does. All right. I'm going to say Tom, Tom Brady is taking a little bit of a rest. He is uh, making Giselle happy, but mm-hmm. he will come back to play at least the second half of the 2022 season. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, Mike, thank you so much. Have a good one. And we'll see you here next time on The Badger Den. Bye-bye, everybody.